0: To help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes. To learn to slow down with your Bible and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly glad to have you here. Today, we are going to talk about the hope that we have because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and I will say I have a very full heart. I'm going to try to just keep my comments to a minimum because I have a little bit of a long journal entry, Um, but that is what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about hope. Before I go into um, that topic, I wanted to give a quick book update. I did click publish on the book yesterday. However, there is a review process with Amazon, so it'll be available in the next few days, and I do plan to do a short book bonus episode kind of just talking about how the book came to be the process and how to read it so on and so forth I will say that if I've had one word in my heart as I've worked on this project for the last seven years it has been hope the word of God holds out hope for anyone and everyone no matter what the present circumstances are no matter the despair or the hopelessness that we face Bible says that he saves to the uttermost and he is able to restore any life No matter the past, no matter the challenges of the present, God is able and there is hope for all. And so again today, we are going to talk about what we celebrate this weekend, which is most commonly called Easter. And the events that we celebrate on Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday really are the very center point of the entire Bible. Everything that happened to that point from Genesis up till the end of the Gospels, was to facilitate that point. Humanity, as we remember, had fallen in the garden. Death was now the finality of every human that was born from Adam and Eve. Romans 5.12 tells us that sin entered into the world because of one man, and death passed to all men, for all have sinned. We sin because we're sinners. We have a sin nature. We're bound by sin. We're bound by the effects of the curse and the fall. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. And somebody has to pay that price of death. Somebody has to pay the wages of sin We know that in the Old Testament, God had instituted animal sacrifices, but ultimately, those sacrifices could not save anybody. They just made atonement for the people for one year, and it would bulldoze their sins forward to the cross. And we see that when Jesus comes on the scene in the beginning of the Gospels, the angel tells us very specifically that he had come with the purpose of saving his people from their sins, and that required him having a body that required him having blood that he could shed. He was to live a perfect, sinless life, fully God and fully man, to face all the things that we would face, all the sorrows and all the suffering and all of the setbacks, but to do so without sinning. And he became the perfect, final sacrifice to shed that perfect blood that would finally be the atonement for those who would apply it to their lives. And because Jesus died, we have hope. But it wasn't just his death. If he had remained in the tomb after he shed that perfect blood, we would still be hopeless. But we have hope because he rose from the dead. This morning, I was so incredibly moved by the beauty and the pain that's on display in Luke chapter 22 to 24. So often, I think, common stories in the Bible become trite to us because they are just so familiar. You think about Noah's Ark, or David and Goliath, or Daniel in the Lion's Den, or Jesus on the cross. It's just familiar. It's common to us. We talk about it. But when you slow down with the Word of God, and you slow down with the accounts of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, there is so much human pain. We cannot discount the fact that Jesus was fully human and he suffered incredible betrayal incredible loss incredible physical pain and not only that but he took on him the weight of every sin from every human throughout all human history the Bible says that he tasted it for us that he tasted death and I'm so glad that when we slow down with our Bibles the stories come to life And that's really what just happened for me this morning. And I don't ever want Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to be old hat for me. Without these events, I would be condemned to eternity in hell. But because he shed his blood, because he suffered and sacrificed and defeated death, because he came out of that tomb, I can have eternal life. And this is why we can be saved, because Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a spotless, perfect life without sin, shed perfect blood. And I will say it was not an easy thing for him to do. I think sometimes, again, we discount the difficulty of this period of time of Jesus' life, these matter of hours and days. But we see in the garden that he literally sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, under such duress, under such pressure, knowing what he's about to face, knowing that he's about to become the sacrifice, that he's going to face death for us. And he did it. He chose to do it in spite of that. But it was not an easy thing for him to do. It came at great sacrifice and at the cost of great pain. But because he did, we can be saved. Because he died. Because he was buried in a tomb, and because he rose from the dead, we can have eternal life. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 15, and he talked about how if we only have hope in this world through Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But we have hope in eternity. We have hope that extends outside the realm of time, the confines of this Time that we live in. And he tells them that we're going to be changed, that our corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And he says this in verse 54 So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And we have hope because of Good Friday, and we have hope because of the resurrection. But with that said, sometimes we walk through very dark, difficult seasons in this life. Jesus was very upfront with his disciples. He said, In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And today, I'm going to read an unedited journal entry called Choosing to Remember. Because sometimes when we are in the darkness, fear cripples us. And sometimes the circumstances we're facing seem insurmountable and overwhelming. And I wrote this a number of years ago, and I was just so struck by the forgetfulness of the disciples in the events that unfolded from the time of the Last Supper all the way up until the um, Jesus' resurrection. And so today I'm going to share... An unedited journal entry called Choosing to Remember. Yesterday, I opened up my Bible for AM reading and my eyes fell on Mark 10, 33 to 34. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and spells out very specifically, in no uncertain terms, what will unfold in the not too distant future. And he began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. As I read that, I had to smile, thinking of how forgetful humanity can be. Forgetfulness gives place to fear. The events that Jesus foretold unfolded and came to pass, yet in the dark moments surrounding his arrest, his trial, his scourging, his long walk to Golgotha, and his crucifixion, they forgot what he had said. As they laid him in a tomb, they forgot it was merely a resting place. He had told them, And the third day he shall rise again, but they forgot." The darkness of their moment caused a memory eclipse. Sometimes that is what happens. We forget what God has done and we forget what God has said. We forget to stand on the promises because the darkness of the moment has locked our minds. Fear comes in with its ironclad clutches and fixates our sight on only the reality of the present moment. In that dark place, we have to shake ourselves, stop and say, I will remember. Just as Asaph did in Psalm 77, he is crying to God and says, my soul refused to be comforted, but he continues on in verse 6 and says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High I will remember the works of the Lord, surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Sometimes we have to intentionally call to mind the former wonders of God, the former promises of God, the former miracles of God, and the current power and word of God. As I have considered the forgetfulness of the disciples over the last week or so, it is remarkable to see that their forgetfulness made way for irrational behavior. In the dark night in Gethsemane, after Jesus had prayed to the point of sweating great drops of blood, begging that the cup pass from him if there was any way, we see that his closest followers and dearest friends abandon him. Judas comes into the garden with the chief priests and scribes and elders and a great multitude with swords and staves. He comes with a deceptive kiss in Jesus' darkest hour. And what do the disciples do? they run they had heard him say behold we go up to jerusalem and the son of man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and scribes yet they forgot in the dark they left him and they all forsook him and fled not only does their forgetfulness lead to fear it leads to irrational behavior their forgetfulness allowed him to forsake the one they'd forsaken all to follow These were not flimsy characters. They had walked away from livelihoods and livings to follow Jesus. They had left boats and tax tables to serve and pursue the one they knew to be the Christ. They were part of the devoted elite. Everything was laid down for Jesus. Yet now, all that is undone in the moment by the side effects of a cloudy memory. Their forgetfulness caused them to run, to hide, to deny, to swear. Peter, in that dark moment, loses all decorum, but he began to swear, saying, I know not this man whom you speak. Not only is this irrational behavior on Peter's part, it was pure and complete reactionary behavior due to forgetting the words of Jesus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow you shall deny me three times. Jesus told Peter exactly what would happen, yet Peter forgot. It's not likely that he could have changed it, for Jesus had already said it would happen, but remembering certainly may have helped. The darkness of the moment causes the disciples to run, to react, to overreact, and to scatter. Jesus had told them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered." Looking at the composite painted by Jesus, he blatantly and specifically told the disciples the series of events that would unfold and even their responses to the events. His words paint a clear picture of what would happen over the course of those three to four days. That is easy for me to see now, having the gift of hindsight and the ability to piece together the words of Jesus that are written and read on the pages of my Bible. For the disciples, however, those statements and predictions went out the window as the reality of the dark weekend played out around them. As the scenes of the garden, the palace of the high priest, and the audience of Pilate transpired, their forgetfulness increased. Jesus is led to the praetorium, and he is alone. His words, and they shall spit on him, are fulfilled with none of his devoted followers watching. The beating, the mocking, the carrying of the cross through the streets of Jerusalem to the place of the skull— all fulfilled without one disciple stepping in to to assist. All the words he spoke came to pass without them remembering he'd spoken them. Cowardice was a side effect of their inability to remember. As Jesus hung on the cross as he lays down his life bearing a greater weight than any soul can imagine, only one disciple is there as a witness. Each gospel lists only women with John listing himself. Though Matthew, Mark and Luke all record the prophetic words of Jesus to crucify him and the third day he shall rise again and shall kill him and the third day he shall rise again and shall put him to death and the third day he shall rise again. The fear brought about by the crucifixion overshadowed the promise of the resurrection. Their minds should have recalled his words They should have laughed in the face of danger, but the swirling questions, unmet expectations, and crippling fear took over. Their memory was shrouded by the thick darkness of that day. Their forgetfulness allowed fear to lead to irrational behavior, but it didn't stop there. Their fear literally turned to disbelief. I was shocked as I turned to Mark 16. I'd initially read the other day where Jesus spelled out the series of events that would transpire. Three times it says they believed not. Mary Magdalene went and told them that he he had been seen as they mourned and wept. And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Then Mark 16, 12 through 13 says, After that he appeared unto two of them, and they went and told it unto the other disciples, Neither believed they them. Afterward, Mark 16 to 14 says, he appeared to the 11 and reprimanded them for their unbelief and the hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen from the dead. That is crazy. Some of the most devoted men that graced the pages of scripture were literally blinded and paralyzed by forgetfulness. Their faith was shaken to its core. The glory of the promise had been eclipsed by the darkness of the moment. But their fear and irrational behavior and lack of faith did not stop God from doing what he was determined to do. He didn't need their faith to rise from the dead and defeat death, hell, and the grave. He already had a plan, and it would come to pass even if they forgot what he'd said would come to pass. I am so comforted that their dark moment and their eclipse of faith did not cause Jesus to cast them aside and replace them with more faithful followers. I may have done that, but he knows how dark seasons affect humanity. He abraded them for their unbelief in Mark 16:14, and in the very next verse he commissions them, Go ye into all the world. He had already called them to follow him, and the call would not be retracted because of their struggle. Their dark weekend would not keep him from continuing the orchestration of his plans for them and through them. Romans eleven twenty nine tells us the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The fact of the matter is that dark seasons come. Sometimes it is loss, sometimes grief, sometimes inexplicable battles in your mind and for your soul. Sometimes it's trials in myriad forms. We all face the darkness. Sometimes it's darkness as described of the plague in the book of Exodus, even darkness which may be felt. Sometimes it's a darkness so thick that you feel its icy fingers slowly strangling your little remaining faith. But no matter how dark things are, no matter how your face shakes and quivers, God will not leave you and he won't stop working with you. Your disbelief will not keep him from commissioning you. The disciples were not cast aside, but they were now positioned to propagate the gospel having seen firsthand the miracle that followed that dark night. Their night did not stop them from witnessing cloven tongues of fire in the upper room or stop them from hearing the sounds of a mus- rushing mighty wind. Their faithlessness did not deter his faithfulness. Sometimes in the dark, the only solution is to remember. Lamentations 3 says this I recall to mind therefore have I hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is his faithfulness like Asaph in Psalm 77 there is a turning when we say I will remember the years of the Lord's right hand Remembering his former goodness and current promises keeps us from panic. Our memory holds our hand until the lights come on again. Batten down the hatches and ride out the storm, secure in the arms of what he has promised. Remember the things he showed you before you were here. Psalm 139:12 says the darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. He is not one bit moved, changed, or shaken because it's dark for you. Like Abraham, be fully persuaded that what he promised, he is able also to perform. He will perform it in spite of fear, in spite of irrational behavior, in spite of an eclipse of faith and unbelief. Keep remembering, he's got you in the palm of his hand. He can perform it by himself. And like the disciples, you will see resurrection power. So, again, that was just a little unedited journal entry called Choosing to Remember. My inability to see does not affect his ability to perform. And Jesus rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave so that we can have hope in the darkest of nights and we can have hope beyond this life. In closing, I want to read the lyrics part of the song of Because He Lives. I can face tomorrow, written by Gloria Gaither. It says, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth a living just because he lives. So this week we talked about why we can be saved, the gospels, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus tell us why. And next week, we're going to talk about how we can be saved. How did Jesus' disciples carry out the teachings that he had invested in their life over the three and a half years of his earthly ministry? And so we're going to talk about how to study for doctrine formation. Doctrine is your system of beliefs, especially as it relates to salvation. And just a reminder, there's hope because of the resurrection. We're given instructions in the Bible on how to Access the power of the resurrection. I hope you can join me next week. Thank you again so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Choose to remember it's Good Friday. Wasn't good for Jesus, but it's good for us, and we can face tomorrow because of it. Happy Friday.